It's time to light the lamp. Talking Hockey with WDAE's Jay Retcher. This is Light the Lamp on Lightning Power Play. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another edition of Light the Lamp. Jay Retcher here with you. Hope everybody is having a fantastic week. And, man, Christmas is right around the corner, isn't it? I mean, oh. It's just it's such a great time of year, and I really feel like hockey is kind of like the best sport that goes along with Christmas. I mean, you're used to the cold for the most part. It was so weird here in Tampa Bay. What was it? Tuesday night, it was so nice. I think it was like 81 at night, and then the very next night, it was like 50-something. Uh, so pretty crazy change in climate uh, here in the Tampa Bay area. But uh, to me, you know, growing up up north, I always associate the cold weather and Christmas and hockey. It just... It goes all together. So uh, one of my favorite parts, uh, favorite times of the year, um, and I hope it is for you too. Jay Retcher here with you. Again, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Jay Retcher. Follow Lightning Powerplay at TBL Powerplay. Now, I've been kind of teasing this for the last couple of weeks uh, here on Light the Lamp about me playing my old interview with the late, great Steve Dumick, the big dog. And you remember listening to him in the early stages of Lightning Power Play, and he used to hop on with everybody talking hockey. And he just, man, just think about the impact that he had here in the Tampa Bay area, interviewing guys like Phil Esposito in the infant stages of this Tampa Bay Lightning franchise. And he meant so much to me as a colleague and as a mentor and as guys I looked up to as uh, a master of his craft. And we lost the big dog earlier this year. And in our first episode of uh, this season of, of the year, uh, I mentioned the big dog and, and what he meant to me. But what I wanted to do today, because I got the opportunity to host my final day of 2019 over at 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. And I was hosting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So even though it's the Ron and Ian show, and it's been that for a little bit over a year now, and I'm blessed and honored to be the executive producer of that show, to me, being a DAE fan, even before I ever got into radio, that three o'clock time slot will always be the big dog slot. And I know there's a lot of other people here in the Tampa area that feel the exact same way. So I'm hosting a four hour show. What do I do? Last day of 2019 for me before I go on vacation to see my family up north. I think I'm going to do a show and at least open the show like the big dog used to open the show. So right after the Ron and Ian uh, theme song and the intro music, uh, I said, hey, why don't we play the big dog song? And then my idea was, well, why don't I do a big dog style monologue? Because when the big dog was the host of the afternoon drive show, you'd always tune in at three o'clock. Didn't matter what day of the week it was to hear his opinion on things. That was his thing. Opening monologue, that first segment, no phone calls, no producer chiming in. And trust me, I found that out the hard way. It was just him. It was his way. And in an age where sports radio and all kinds of media and social platforms are changing seemingly day by day, that was kind of the thing that harkened you back to old school sports radio. So what I want to do for you today is I want to play for you my monologue uh, that I... I don't want to say perform, that sounds too uh, too kind of staged, but, you know, just the my monologue from 
this past Wednesday on 95.3 WDAE, and uh, it was me pretty much just shouting out the big dog and uh, what it would be like, or kind of wondering what it would be like if he was still around. Let's do this the right way today. Today is my last day of work here at WDAE for the year 2019, and I want to kick it off by honoring the late, great Steve Dumick. Now, the Ron and Ian Show has been in this time slot for over a year now, but 3 p.m. will always be the big dog's time slot. Now, I went back last night and listened to some of the dog's monologues for guidance and inspiration and because I just flat out missed the guy. And wouldn't you know, the first one I dial up, Steve starts with, I cannot wait until the NBA season is over. That was the big dog. You know, it's funny that it's Wednesday because I always thought that that was Steve's best day of the week. Wednesdays are like that in radio because you're smack dab in the middle of looking back and looking ahead. And I think about what this week of radio would have been if he were still alive and hosting today. You know he would have talked about the United States' monumental comeback victory in the President's Cup in Australia over the weekend. And you know Steve would have given his two cents on Tiger Woods' play and leadership like only the big dog could. What about Jameis Winston and the play of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a four-game winning streak? I'd give anything to hear Steve's take on the former number one overall pick and his ups and downs this season. Oftentimes what the dog said was much different than what everybody else was saying and thinking. And again, it's Wednesday, so we would have probably had a knockdown, drag-out match with the fellows at Joe Buck's fan if Steve were still here. Now, I don't think I've mentioned this since his passing, but... Do you remember how Dumig used to call the fellows at JBF the flag wavers? Well, one day I actually found a flag and I printed out two pictures of Jameis Winston and taped them on both sides so when the guys walked into the studio for their segment with the big dog, they would see it. Let me tell you, Steve Dumig didn't always have that big belly laugh when he saw, you know, he's not, he's not that big belly laugh kind of guy, but when he saw that flag that I made, the dude was practically crying. I'll never forget that. Now, we know how much the big dog loved him some hockey. We also know how much he loved accountability. He would have absolutely loved the decision last night by John Cooper to sit Nikita Kucherov for the third period and overtime. There's only one person that could dog it in this town, and that ain't Nikita. And speaking of the Bolts, how good has Anthony Sorelli been? That's a doomy guy right there if I've ever seen one. His game-winning goal last night in OT was symbolic of his play. He would not be denied. He willed his team to victory. A great moment from last night's Lightning game was what happened after the victory. Sorelli met up with new USF head coach Jeff Scott in the locker room, and I was lucky enough to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. I was really impressed with that short interaction between two guys at different stages in their lives. Tough Tony is a burgeoning star on one of the top teams in the NHL. Scott, an up-and-coming coach who is ready to make the transformation from standout coordinator to the face of a program ready to start the trek back up the college football ranks. It was almost like a glimpse into the future of Tampa Bay sports. What makes those two guys successful? Consistency. You hear from all the NFL wideouts right now who have played under Jeff Scott at Clemson. He's a great coach, but a better person. A father figure. 
He's big on fundamentals and detail-oriented. Big on fundamentals and detail-oriented. Sounds like Sorelli, doesn't it? That consistency is also what made the big dog great. Every day he came in here prepared to talk sports for three hours. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't say things just to say them. He did his show. He was consistent. He took his time. Dead air? No. Those were pregnant pauses. And it made you lean in and listen just that much closer. So what'd you think? Not too bad, right? I mean, I'll never be the big dog, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. Uh, I just wanted to honor the big dog. And um, like I said, I never forget the guy. And uh, listening back to his old monologues, man, let me tell you, just search on it in your Google machine. Big dog, opening monologue, WDAE Tampa, you'll find it. And there's some stuff on Spreaker. Uh, it's like the word speaker with an R after the P. And you'll just laugh at some of the things that he said. Uh, and just the way that he'd start his show. Everybody's so, even myself, so energetic. Jay Ratcher here, welcome to Light the Lamp. He would just start talking and just go right into it. And I think people appreciated that because it didn't sound so cookie cutter. It didn't sound so corporate, sound so put together. It sounded more conversational. And I think nowadays where everybody wants to have a hot take and everybody wants to have an opinion that's going to be you know, in the bright lights or something that you can retweet or something that people are going to press like on the gram. He wasn't like that. He was the kind of guy that said, hey, I'm going to give my opinion. You're going to like it or you're not going to like it. It's not going to change. It's not going to, it's not going to make me lose any sleep. I don't think there's enough people like that nowadays. He didn't just say things just to say it, even though it kind of made a lot of people upset. That was how we really felt. I loved and what I said in the monologue is this is consistency. He was very genuine. You didn't like it when he said something that it went against your ideology or your belief, but that was the big dog. He didn't care if he ruffled a little feathers. So I played for you the monologue, and, and what I also I wanted to play for you here in this first segment of Light the Lamp. And in our second and third segment, we'll do our usual. We'll take a look around the league for our on-the-shelf segment in segment two, and then for segment three, for our fantasy hockey players out there, who's hot, who's not. But I want to play for you the interview that I conducted with the Big Dog. My, I believe it was my first year here on Lightning Power Play. And uh, I believe it's year four, year five with me. And uh, here, I know the times fly by. It's pretty crazy, ain't it? Um, but it was cool because this was right when Jonathan Drouin was on the team. And he talked about how he doesn't like to play a 200-foot game. And it was also before Steven Stamkos re-signed. And just to hear him talk about how tough guys like Andre Plott and Ryan Callahan played and what he didn't like about Jonathan Drouin's game and what he thought was going to happen with the Steven Stamkos contract situation, very, very cool to kind of look back and see what the big dog thought. So I want you guys to take it a listen to that now. And as always, hit me up on Twitter at JRetcher if you have any questions, comments. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, when I hosted the other day, some really, really great calls about the big dog. And, you know, I always want to keep his memory alive. Every single year I want to talk about him and keep him, keep his name and just in the conversation. And uh, he meant so much to me, still means so much to me, and I don't want him to ever be forgotten. So uh, we'll always mention him here on Light the Lamp. And uh, I'll mention him for as long as I'll work at 95.3 WDAE. So take a listen to my interview with the big dog and uh, let me know what you think. All right, Steve, thanks for joining us today. Steve, I know 
being from up north, big Philly guy that you are, were you a big Broad Street Bullies guy? Was that you? Was that your thing? Well, I'm not a Philly guy anymore. Not anymore? Okay, I didn't know. You know now. You're a Tampa guy. <laughs> I've been Tampa way longer than I was a Philly guy. All but right, but where you started your affinity for hockey, it started yeah. up there, I presume? Uh, well, my dad loved the sport, and we started following hockey when the Philadelphia Ramblers were oh, playing. Oh, wow, okay. Okay. And so when the NHL came to Philadelphia, obviously we became instant Flyer mm-hmm. fans. And yeah, I can remember going with my dad back in the first year of the of the Flyers, and it grew into the Broad mm-hmm. Street Bullies. It did become the Broad Street Bullies until the early seventies. Yeah. Who, who was your favorite player from those teams back then? Uh, from the Bullies? Any any Flyer? The one guy you look back on your time as a Philly Flyer fan, who's the one guy that really jumps out to you? Clark. Clark, he's got a man, the yeah. man, right? Bobby Clark was the man, as far as I'm concerned. He had protectors in mm-hmm. Schultz and, and, and Kelly and Seleski uh, and all those guys, Joe Watson, Ed Van Imp. I can remember them all like they were <laughs> yesterday. I liked Rick McLeish yeah. uh, because of the way he skated, Re- Reggie Leach, mm-hmm. uh, all those guys. So, But Bobby Clark was the captain, and he was the man for many, many years. Do you see any players in today's game that what player in today's game resembles his game? Is there anybody out there or is the game too, you know, I know the game's a lot different now. It's not as physical, you know, it's more wide open. Uh, um, that's a good question. Um, I never really thought of it that way. I mean, I always thought of Clarky as Clarky. Yeah. He's know? a one in a million kind of guy, but right? he had a lot of protection mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but you know, he was very talented with the puck and mm-hmm. I think, and he was good without the puck a lot of times. So uh, that's a. I don't have an answer. We'll come for back you. to that, man. Yeah, we'll come I back don't to really that. have an answer. A couple. For I, you. I'm in six months from now. You're gonna come to me, Jay. I know. Yeah, who well, I probably me. will, and I will. I will tell you that. What yeah. players now? What player nowadays? Uh, doesn't have to be a lightning guy. What player really jumps at you that you really enjoy watching now? Lightning. That uh, could be lightning. Could be anybody. How about let's go non-lightning. Um. That's another good question, because I, I love all the hockey yeah, players. No, of I really, course, I really of don't focus in on anybody. I I like, I like watching Palat. Yeah, and Kucherov. His game, their I mean, game's awesome. I like, I really like when they're on the ice mm-hmm. because they're busy. Yeah, they're always doing something. And either in any zone too, it's not yeah. just an offensive zone. They're always doing something, and I love the way Hedman skates mm-hmm. right now. So I'm going to stick with my Lightning guys, but. I like to watch good skaters, yep. you know, and able to get up and cover the 200 feet in, a, in very little time. And, uh, you know, I like shooters. Yeah. I like shooters. <laughs> you guys know? put the puck in I, the back I, of the I net. constantly harp on it, but yep. it does no good to just keep passing the puck. Shoot, yeah. the, shoot the damn Sometimes thing. you got to be a little selfish, you know? Well, good goal scorers are, are always true. Self- selfish. True. I mean, when I played soccer and I played at a high level – I was always the leading scorer. You shot the you shot the ball. There you My go. coach kept saying, "You got a shot, shoot it." You know, mm-hmm. don't pass it. You know? <laughs> Speaking of guys that say shoot the puck a lot, Phil Esposito. Yeah. I think I made this mention to uh, John Mamola, the APD, over at 620 the other day. That's my favorite segment out of anybody here at 620. Um, how did you meet up with Phil? Take me through your relationship with him over the years and how it's grown. Well, it just struck me who my favorite player there was. There you go. Bobby Orr. There, okay. <laughs> Number four, Bobby Orr. The way he skated. He just made the game look goal. so it easy. It was so easy. Oh, right. man. Uh, my relationship started with Phil when the team, I mean, I was around on day one mm-hmm. of the hockey team. And 
I was, we had a, a sports station uh, with 910, mm -hmm. uh, partnered with Scott Brantley. And luckily, Phil Esposito used to listen all the time because wow. he was trying to push the game, you know? And so he liked listening to me because I was from Philly. I was, I knew the game of hockey mm -hmm. more. I learned a lot more after that, but, uh, he used to listen and he used to call and he called in, he would pick up the phone wow. and call because he wanted to Steve, you don't know <laughs> what the hell you're talking about. You know? So it, it, and then he hired me to be the post, uh, the post game wow. show guy. Nice at the Thunderdome. So I would go to every game and I'd do the post game show, kind of like what Matt Salmon mm -hmm. does here, yep. uh, and those guys. So uh, that's I've been with the Lightning since day one. There's nobody been longer with this team than maybe Nigel. That's awesome. Yeah, Nigel's <laughs> Bill, been right? Nigel and Phil. <laughs> Nigel, Phil, and Steve. Yeah. All right, taking through one of those guys that he's always telling to shoot the puck. Uh, obviously, he's been in the in the headlines recently. Jonathan Drouin, man, yeah. a young guy. Obviously made the trade request back in November, and now it's all coming out. W what's your take on this whole situation? I know you've talked a little bit about it on the air, but for me, it's, you know, you're a young guy. You got your whole career ahead of you. You don't want to come off as that dude when something's going wrong. Or you don't like something with management that you're you're trying to well, get he, out of town. I got a news flash. He came, he comes off as that dude. Yeah, he okay? does, doesn't he? Does. He does. Yeah. I mean, it's part of, a lot of it is his agent. Mm -hmm. uh, his agent is known for this, to stir the pot. But this is a guy... And I go to a lot of practices. You go to a lot of yeah. practices. When the coaches are talking on the grease board, this guy's nose is in the air. He's not paying attention to nothing. You see it. Yeah. I see it. And the opposite, you see a guy like Callahan. He can't get enough. He's kneeling on the yeah, ice he's and the, he's looking he's right always, up And he's the always in the front. Board. He's right. always in the front. And right. the guy at Palat's another guy like that. Right. And when you look at players and you say, hey, I want you, if you're – you got a kid growing up, and you say, "Hey, I want you to play like that guy." You're going to say that kid play right like there, Pilate that's or exactly. Yeah. exactly. But Druen, you know, he doesn't want to play 200 feet. No. And John, John Cooper said, "Look, there's two nets. Mm -hmm. You got to be in front of both of them." That's true. You know, I remember, I remember Mario Lemieux. There's another one of my favorite oh, players. Man. He never had to go across the red line because he was that good. Mm -hmm. You know. So now today's hockey, you have to defend. 200 feet and Duran refuses to do it. And so I don't, I don't know who's going to buy, who's, who's going to have them. If you can't defend 200 feet, everybody requires you to come back and play defense and back check and do all this other Wasn't stuff. Wasn't that the big message from Cooper coming into it this was. year? <laughs> you it gotta was. Play you you got to play. You scored enough play. goals last year. And it did, it's what's what kept him out of the playoffs. Exactly. I think Canada and, and the Stanley cup finals kind of really, uh, brought this to the forefront because mm -hmm. if we want, we're not in the finals, this is not an issue. Oh, I exactly. truly believe. Oh, the same thing with Stamkos and his lack of playing time. He had 45 well, I seconds don't know about last you, but I don't you know. buy, I don't buy this, the rift between Stamkos and Cooper. I, I don't either. It, it, you don't see it. Uh, you know what I mean? If you, would, you could kind of read through comments sometimes and people kind of plead the fifth for a lack of better word, but I don't know. I don't notice it. He's just upset that they're not playing well. Huh? Right. Any do, well, do with this relationship with Cooper. I do, I do look at uh, Stamkos, and he's a minus 10. Yeah. And he's leading goals. All right, last question before I let you go. I know you got to run. What, what, uh, what's your opinion on the whole Stamkos thing? How is it going to end up? If you if you were a betting man, which I know you are, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? To me, I don't think Vegas takes those no, bets. No, they don't. <laughs> Imagine uh, that. People in Tampa would be laying money on When it. I saw Vinick come out and say that he's – extremely confident that the deal will get done. 
then that's good enough for me. His word holds so much yeah, weight, it doesn't does. it? I mean, what I love about Vinick is he lets Eisenman do his work mm-hmm. and doesn't get involved at all. But when he comes out and says, I'm extremely confident that the deal will get done, then I either they're going to sign him and trade him or they're going to sign him, but they're going to sign him. Do you think in season or post after the season? No, well. <laughs> that remains to be seen how hot we're going to get. But, That's right. Um, you know, I would hate to lose the third captain in four seasons. I know. That's bad. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, Stamkos is a big part of this team. He's a big part of the city, and he's the face of the franchise. Yeah, he's done so much here. He's grown up here, and it just – I don't want to say it's definitely – I think the longer the season goes on, the uncertainty, it may weigh on him a little bit, you know – People here aren't asking him, but when he goes in Toronto and that whole well, that's on the that issue. Circus, it's not an issue in the in the clubhouse. No, it's, it's not no. an issue with our media. No, it is for isn't. the most part. No, uh, it's starting to be. Yeah. But uh, is it a distraction? I don't think so yet. Uh, I mean, you you got until what June first mm-hmm. or July first to sign him. Yeah. So uh, I, I think uh, I think that the uh, it'll get done. He's too valuable. Yeah, you know it's. It would be, it would baffle me if they didn't sign. With goal scoring down the way it is, you can't trade a guy that's one of the hottest goal we scorers. We can't in the score league. now. That's you can't right. sure as hell can't score trade away your your leading scorer. Steve Dumick, thanks so much for your time. My man. pleasure. Appreciate it. Some good stuff there from the late great Steve Dumick. And you know, when he goes, My pleasure, I'm like, dude, no freaking way. The pleasure was all mine. And uh he didn't have to do that. And he was not that guy that, you know, he was very regimented. He came in at a certain time. He sat in his desk in the back, and you know he got ready for the day. And he read his paper and read his stories and wrote down his opening monologue. And he was a guy that kind of stayed to a pretty strict schedule. That was his thing. But when I asked him to do this, and I, you know, I'm a young kid in the game, I was so nervous to be like Steve. Yeah, just just hang around for ten minutes. And he was like, Yeah, sure. And it's just so weird, like you get so nervous sometimes. And, you know, looking back, it was like, what'd you get so nervous for? He was such an honest guy and he was, you know, a leader for me. And, you know, one of the things like he says when he goes, you know, I'm at a lot of practices, you're at a lot of practices. Like I felt like he could see early on in my radio career that I was willing to put forth, uh, you know, every single drop of energy uh, that I had to be great and to learn and to just kind of make myself a better version of myself pretty much every day. So his guidance and his honesty and just being around him uh, really helped mold me into who I am today. I mean, I feel like I've learned under two of the biggest radio icons in Tampa Bay history in Steve Dumig and Ron Diaz. I mean, just learning the little nuances of radio. You know, Ron is so right on top of everything he's just going 100 miles an hour and he just he tries to fit everything into a break and that's that old school you know rock jock mentality and i appreciate that because he ron's always on his p's and q's man always he very rarely forgets everything but the big dog he's the opposite he's very you know he was very slow and very patient and I love that. I love that he makes he it's almost like a guy in hockey or basketball when they slow down the offense and they make the defense come scry, screeching halt. It grinds. I think that takes so much more talent to be able to do to slow things down. 
and make people hang on your every word. Everybody wants to go so fast, and that was my biggest thing. I still have trouble with that now. I go so fast. I'm so energetic. I feel like, you know, in order to project, you have to be energetic. And when you're energetic, you speed up. And people have a tough time understanding that. You never really had a tough time understanding Steve when, you know, he was in his prime. I know at the end of uh, his tenure with DAE, when the sickness kind of creeped in, some of those throws were a little rough. And nobody knows more than me because I was there on the other side of the glass. And, you know, it wasn't easy. But he was a fighter. And uh, never forget the big dog. And I'm eternally grateful for everything that he did for me. And again, if you have any of the great big dog stories, feel free to reach out to me, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Jay Retcher. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I just, I would give anything to hear what he'd have to say about the Kucherov and Sorelli thing. And just, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that he'd be on Cooper's side saying, you know, this is a great coaching job by Cooper. And, trying to put Cooch in a position where he's got to understand that if you make mistakes, hey, you got to be held accountable. Accountability is a big step. Accountability is also a thing that every single winning team has. And could you say that about the Tampa Bay Lightning? Listen, there's a lot of good players on this team, a lot of hardworking players. And I'm not saying that Kucherov is not a hardworking player. He is. He just has lapses sometimes where he turns over the puck. And that's, I'm sure, you know, you got to cut it down if you want to be a winning hockey club. There's got to be some level of accountability. There's got to be repercussions for actions. That's what happened here. But the good thing about it is it's not the end-all, be-all. It's not, you know, a death knell for Nikita Kucherov and his time here with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's just holding him accountable. There's nothing wrong with that. We all make mistakes. You've made mistakes in your profession or in school or with your, you know, significant other. It happens. It's how you respond to that. That's what defines your true character. And I'm really excited to see what Nikita does because I think this is going to be a wake-up call for him. He's still 26 years old. He's still a young man. And when he responds to this, I think he's going to respond in a big way. And then the league has to watch out because the last thing you want is an angry Nikita Kucherov coming down the wing and scoring multiple goals. Because if he is a man on a mission, it's going to be almost impossible to stop. And when you combine him with some of the other uh, you know, dynamic players that this lighting offense has and the two-way um, prowess of guys like up front, up front, not even defensively, like Palat, Point, Sorelli, you know, that fourth line. And I don't say that with any kind of negative connotation ever. Paquette, Gord, and Maroon. Lightning are going to be a tough team to handle. So for those people that were so worried about this team, you wanted them to feel some adversity during the regular season. So when the playoffs come, you don't have to go through what you went through last year. And they didn't know how to deal with the adversity. I don't want to say they. I don't want to say they were soft or that they weren't coached well or they didn't try. And those are just those are excuses. They just. It's hard, man. It's hard when you win sixty-two games and you don't have to really battle back from anything. You're not battle tested. You've heard that before in sports. They weren't battle tested. What are you going to do? You can't just make that up. You can't practice that. You can't go into a game like no, we're not going to really try hard because we need to deal with adversity. You don't know sometimes until he hits you square in the face. And that's what happened to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. And I think going through the ups and downs and the obstacles, it's only going to make them better in their long run. Trust me. All right, one segment down. Again, at Jay Retcher, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let me know. Have this conversation. And when we come back in the second segment, on the shelf, who's banged up around the league? Some big names 
on injured reserve and also just with some minor uh, bumps and bruises as well. Who are they? We'll talk about them when we come back. You don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Light the Lamp. This is Light the Lamp with your host, Jay Retcher, on Lightning Power Play. All right. Welcome back. Jay Retcher here with you right here on Light the Lamp on Lightning Power Play. Make sure you're tuning into all the great shows here on Lightning Power Play, Lightning Lunch with Eric Erlinson always does a good job there. Uh, Lightning Power Play Live with Greg Lanelli always does a good job of getting a lot of different opinions from people across the country, pretty much across the continent, because you have some people up from Canada as well. Some great guests, man. And even here locally, when you look at Brian Burns coming on and, you know, Kaylee Chelios and just everybody, man, we're just all involved here with Lightning Power Play. And uh, the sky's the limit here. And I know in 2020, uh, we're looking to take Lightning Power Play to the next level. So keep on tuning in and uh, give us some feedback, man. What do you like about the station? What do you not like about the station? What do you think we can improve on? Uh, We're open to those kind of things. So make sure you hit us up at TBL Power Play and hit me up at Jay Retcher. All right, our on-the-shelf segment, let's take a look around the league at who's dealing with some injuries, and this isn't really an injury. This is a pretty sad story um, out of Philadelphia, and it's really cool to see how not just the Philadelphia community and the Flyers organization, but pretty much everybody in hockey has rallied around Oscar Lindblom. He has Ewing's sarcoma, um, and it's a rare form of cancer that occurs in bones or in the soft tissue around the bones. Um, he got diagnosed last week, and he's not expected to return to game action this season, but he was at the Wells Fargo Center to welcome back the team on Tuesday, um, and the Flyers beat the Anaheim Ducks 4-1. to And you can, man, can you imagine that? I mean, you young kid, you spend your whole life, you want to be a professional hockey player. You know, we all have dreams of being a pro. If you're a sportsman, if you're listening to this show, you, you probably had that dream when you were in your backyard, you hit a home run, uh, you know, that you were in the Game 7 of the World Series or your Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final and you scored on the breakaway or, you know, you had a buzzer beater in basketball or you kicked the winning field goal, scored the winning touchdown. We all had that dream growing up. I'm sure Oscar did too. And unfortunately for him, he's, you know, his dream is kind of taking a little bit of a backseat because he has to take care of his sickness. So our thoughts and prayers are with Oscar Lindblom, the Philadelphia Flyers, Lindblom family, um, and hopefully we'll be able to see him back on the ice. Uh, I know a guy like Brian Boyle who had to deal with a pretty bad sickness himself. Um, him coming back was just such an unbelievable story. Um, and it's just something I'll never forget. Brian Boyle, such a big impact on the Tampa Bay community, the lightning uh, thunder, you know, being the thunder, all the people out there, there's people still now. When you hear Brian Boyle's name, you, you it's hard to not smile. It's hard to not remember the good times. So, um, hopefully Oscar Limbaugh will be like Brian Boyle and be able to fight this thing, beat it, and then come back and uh, be able to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, some other news for Philly. Michael Roffel, broken finger, expects to be available to play when he's eligible to come off long-term IR. So looks like December 29th against those same Anaheim Ducks um, is when he would be eligible. So um, he's been sidelined since December 3rd, so keep an eye out for him. He's another guy who likes to score in bunches, so keep an eye on Michael Roffel. Um, Nolan Patrick, I remember him, a high draft pick for Philadelphia a couple of years ago, still out. Um, and according to the team, he's still week to week. He hasn't played this season. Uh, he skated a little bit, but dealing with a migraine disorder. And this kind of reminds me of, uh, you guys remember Percy Harvin, a long time, uh, 
well, he wasn't a long time. He was he wasn't in the NFL as long as I'm sure he would like. But he was so dynamic for the Florida Gators in those Tebow years. I'm not a Gator, but I just appreciated the crap out of that guy. He was so shifty, and it was a shame that his career got cut short because of migraines. And migraines actually run in my family too. I have them pretty bad. My sisters have them, um, and they're inconsolable, man. When you get a headache that bad. Um, you can't really do anything else. You got to be sometimes in a dark room. The only thing that helps me when I get a migraine is to go to sleep. And imagine doing that in the middle of the day when you're working. Like, what are you going to do? Go to sleep? Uh, you just got to battle through it, and it is tough. I wouldn't wish migraines on anybody. So, again, another young player dealing with something that it's tough. It's not just an injury. It's a disorder. So you really have to take your time with that and not rush uh, You know, rush the analysis for that. You got to make sure that you can take care of that so it doesn't come back. Scott Lawton also, as well, been placed on injury reserve with that groin injury, unlikely to play before the Christmas break. But he may return during Philadelphia's West Coast trip afterwards. So you never know. They could be getting him and Raffle back uh, around the 29th when they're in Anaheim playing against the Ducks. Let's stay in the Keystone State. Pittsburgh Penguins superstar Sidney Crosby. Core muscle surgery, remember that when he had that a couple months ago. He's been skating for the last six days, so that's good. And as much as we you know, like to rag on Crosby and his relationship with Pierre Maguire and all that stuff, but hockey's better when the superstars are playing. And hockey is better when Sidney's doing his thing because when he's at the top of his game, there's really nobody that can match him. And uh, he's a winner. He's a guy that plays to all 200 feet. He's got probably the best backhander in the game. Um, very solid defensively, great face-off guy, and he's just he's such a skilled sly player out there and the penguins are they're hanging on man i'm telling you I, you got to give them a lot of respect uh for trying to do whatever they can to kind of hold the fort down before he gets back still no date for his return uh but it sounds like pittsburgh is encouraged by his process process um you have that core muscle surgery man you don't know it's not like a broken bone so it's kind of you got to take your time and uh update on his status is expected to come when he's closer um he hasn't played since november 9th so over two, or excuse me, over a month and a half now, uh, or almost a month and a half since he's been out. Another really good player that's out, Kale McCarr, defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche, and he looked to be the guy that had the inside track to win the Rookie of the Year, the Calder Trophy, but, you know, he's been out for, it seems like, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks now with that upper body injury. Five straight games uh, out after Wednesday night's affair against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, big win for Colorado in that game. They dominated uh, from start to finish behind Nathan McKinnon and the boys. Uh, McCarr feeling better, but Coach Jared Bednar isn't sure when he'll be ready to return. And that trade that they made, sending Tyson Barry to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Nazem Kadri, did a couple of things. One, it helped them where they needed it most, and that's secondary scoring. That first line is so darn good. I mean, you'd have to say, in my opinion, the two best lines in hockey are Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marshawn, and in Colorado with McKinnon, Landis, Cog, and Rotten. And I, I don't know if there's any other lines that compare to those two. And there's good players on them. I know people are going to say, well, what about the point Palat Kucherov line? Don't get me wrong. That's They're amazing. But consistently being together, you don't know if point Palat Kucherov will be together, heck, by the time you listen to this show. Those two lines have been together for multiple seasons now, and they are so hard to stop. Who do you think the best line in hockey is? Let me know, at Jay Retcher. Uh, we willing to have that conversation, that's for sure. But what a great trade for Colorado. You not only get Nazem Kadri for that secondary scoring, but you open up a spot for Kale McCarr where he's not behind Tyson Berry. It's like 
you're ready, kid? Let's go. And he showed that he was ready in the playoffs last year and even to start this year. Um, forget about being a top rookie scorer or a top rookie defensive scorer. He's one of the top defensive scorers in the entire league. I don't know if he'll ever catch John Carlson in uh, Washington, but still, he's right in the thick of things. Anaheim's Derek Grant, uh, centerman, sidelined four to six weeks due to an AC joint sprain. He was injured in Tuesday's game against Philadelphia. Nine goals and 12 points in 34 games this year. Troy Terry, sidelined for approximately 10 weeks after suffering a broken bone just below his kneecap. He was injured also in that game. Man, a rough couple of rough week for Anaheim and Philadelphia. Those teams probably shouldn't play each other again. A uh, lot of injuries in that game. Uh, Winnipeg's Matthew Parole concussion protocol been moved to injured reserve. He was put in the protocol after he was hurt last Sunday. Um, they also placed Andrew Kopp on injured reserve after he was injured. Upper body injury for him. And the team called up Mason Appleton and Jansen Hawkins in corresponding moves. So Winnipeg's another one of those teams. What will they do at the deadline? Uh, much different team with Bufflin out, Truba not being anywhere, uh, being there anymore because he's with the Rangers. And then, you know, when you look at they went and got Kevin Hayes at the deadline last year, and then he went to Philadelphia in free agency. So definitely a different team, and uh, they don't have as many horses as they did last year, that's for sure. Minnesota's Miko Koivu, lower body injury, gone back to Minnesota for additional treatment. Um, the team is in Vegas, and uh, or the team was in Vegas, excuse me, um, but he was last in the lineup on December 3rd. Not the only guy, though. Joel Erickson, Eck, upper body injury. He was placed on injured reserve. Um, he missed Sunday's game uh, with that upper body injury, and he's not the only one banged up. Jared Spurgeon and Jason Zucker still battling injuries as well. They had a nice little run there. Uh, they beat the Lightning, and you just looked at that team, and I mentioned the first episode this year, I thought he'd be the first guy fired and talking about Bruce Pedreau, but the guys have been playing pretty hard for him, so you got to give them a lot of credit. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, tough season for them. It's not any easier when a guy like Josh Anderson is out. Upper body injury is a shoulder injury. They've said he was hurt during Saturday's game, and the team expects him to be out the next four to six weeks. Defenseman Ryan Murray for the Blue Jackets. Lower body injury, he's weak to weak. Two goals and seven points in 24 games this year. Speaking of defenseman, Danny DeKaiser is going to undergo back surgery. The Detroit Red Wings uh, defenseman uh, sustained a setback in his attempt to return from the injury last played October 22nd. Um, not just him, though. Jimmy Howard, the 35-year-old, on IR, retroactive to November 27th. And then Jonathan Erickson as well. Nose. Yeah, it's weird when you see a nose injury. Took a stick to that nose. He's on IR. That happened last week against Columbus, and he's considered day-to-day. -day. All right, one more segment to go here on Light the Lamp. That's our on-the-shelf segment. It's time for who's hot, who's not. Who's playing fantasy hockey out there? If you are, hit me up at JRetro. Let me know how your team's doing and who has been your best draft pick so far. We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Light the Lamp. You stay right there. Let's get back to lighting the lamp with WDAE's Jay Retcher on Lightning Power Play. All righty, final segment of the show. And not just the final segment of the show, but final show, maybe not final show of the year. Actually, I'm going to do a New Year's Eve show, and we're coming up with the schedule. A lot of people were wondering, when, what is the schedule going to look like over the holidays, especially for shows like mine that are Thursday, Friday, sometimes on the weekends as well. So I'll have this show this week, and then next week for the holidays, for Christmas, 
uh, will be off, but I'll pick it up the following week. I'm actually going to be up in New York with my family, so I will head up to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting on Long Island and be able to record my show there. Can't wait to head on over there and see some familiar faces. Uh, so go, uh, you know, if uh, you've ever thought about getting into uh, broadcasting, that's how I did it. Uh, some people ask me, you know, how'd you get into this? Did you go to a four-year school, two-year school? What'd you do? I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, and the name is where it originated, but there's a campus right there in Brandon. And in less than a year, uh, I got all the information I needed. I studied all things TV, all things radio. Mine was a little bit of a different story because I moved back to New York. Uh, but when I came back here, man, boom, I got the internship with the, it was at the time, 620 WDAE. I interned for three months, and then uh, they didn't have anything for me. But two weeks later, something opened up, and boom, the rest was history. I was just a little part-time board op on the weekend, and I inched my way up little by little by little. And uh, that's what it takes, man. It's a gradual uh, climb. And uh, five years in the game now, man, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Speaking of trades, make any hot trades in fantasy hockey yet this year? I want to hear your best trades. Hit me up at JRetro and let me know. Who's hot? Who's not? Let's start with the who's hot list. This guy is unbelievable. Anthony Declare. Anthony freaking Declare. Are you kidding me? What is this? His 34th team he's played on? Ottawa Senators forward nine goals and assists with a plus four. Four penalty minutes, 26 shots on goal in his last seven games. And we saw what happened in the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of nights ago where Kudrov turned the puck over at the blue line. Anthony Declare was able to not only take the puck away from him, but outskate him, uh, him meaning Kucherov, pronouns, pal, uh, and be able to make a quick shot and to beat Andre Vasilevsky. This guy w has been kind of through the ringer, coming up through the Rangers system. Uh, he, You thought he was going to be a big factor for them. They end up moving him to Arizona in a deal for Keith Yandel, and then he gets moved to, I think, the Blackhawks and the Strom deal it could have been or somebody else. He's been on the move a lot. He's played for a bunch of teams. I know he's also played for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He and Tortorella had a little bit of an issue there, but he seems to have really found a home in Ottawa with the Senators. And you got to give them a lot of credit. I know some people say, they, they stink, man. Look where they are in the Senators. They have no star. It's not always about that, man, especially hockey. And look at the New York Islanders. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's not so much always about the talent. If you have a good goalie and a good system and good defense, you can be in pretty much every game, and especially if you play hard. Ottawa plays hard, so you got to give them a lot of credit. So even though they don't have the big talent and they're not going to be able to score a ton of goals, they do have some talent with Duclair and Pajot and Thomas Shabbat played 37 minutes the other night against the Lightning. There's some talent there, but to me, the work ethic is what has been the most impressive to me when I look at that Senators club. Sebastian Ajo, Carolina Hurricanes, also on the Who's Hot list. Seven goals, four assists. What is it? Three plus three, two penalty minutes, five power play points, and 21 shots on goal in his last six games. And I know, to, uh, I was going to say terrifying, but I know uh, Andre Svechnikov is going to get a lot of the love because his second straight Michigan goal, listen, disclaimer, not the lacrosse style goal. Stop with the lacrosse style goal. If you're a hockey fan, it originated with that kid at Michigan. It's been called the Michigan goal. I don't even care if you call it the Svechnikov goal, but do not, under any circumstances, call it the lacrosse goal. You sound like a noob. Don't do it. Thank you. Rant over. Mark Shifley, Winnipeg Jets, also on the Who's Hot List. Six goals, four assists, plus two. 
Eight penalty minutes, six power play points, and 22 shots on goal in his last six games. Just love this guy's game. And saying about Winnipeg needing the horses and not having the amount of talent that they did last year, he's one of the guys that's really, really putting them in a position to, you know, whatever they do, if they try to make a move at the deadline again to try to fortify, I think defense is probably going to be a little bit more important for them to, you know, add to than offense because you do still have Shifley and Connor and Line and guys like that. But Mark Shifley, one of the best players, not just in the Western Conference, but in the entire National Hockey League. This guy never ceases to amaze me. Roman Yossi, three goals, three assists with a plus seven, four penalty minutes and 26 shots on goal in his last six games. And you look at Roman Yossi, they just played the last time. I just saw them play the National Predators against the New York Rangers in New York. And the last time they played each other, it was in Nashville, and I'm pretty sure that the Rangers won that game. And the Rangers took it to them. Young team, very inconsistent, but it was a different story earlier this week when Nashville traveled to Madison Square Garden. And Yossi led the way. I think he had two goals, but I know definitely had one where he took the puck. It was behind the Nashville net, off in the corner just a little bit, but it was definitely behind the goal line. Dude picks up the puck, turns, and fires it down almost 200 feet and scores in the back of the net on the empty net late in the game to seal the deal and to put the nail in the coffin and to secure the victory for the National Predators. Bro, come on. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous, Roman Yossi. Definitely going to be an all-star again. I don't know how you keep that guy out. And then Tristan, you call him Jari. I call him Jerry. I call him the guy who's on the who's hot list for goaltending. Pittsburgh Penguins, listen to this guy's stats. Five and one in his last six games. Three shutouts, giving up only eight goals. On 179 shots, how good has he been? We talk about them kind of holding the fort down before Sidney Crosby gets back. Malkin's doing his thing. So is Tristan as well. Tristan, excuse me, Tristan, Jerry. All right, who's not? Oh, this guy. I've always liked him. I thought this team was poised for a Stanley Cup run a couple years ago. I think I picked them to go to the finals. Um, I was off by a year. Martin Jones. 0-4, giving up 15 goals on 113 shots. You remember that game, excuse me, against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you look at it and you go, man, 7-1, not good, right? Eh, Maybe it's just an aberration. Then you're watching more and more of these games, and you're like, something is wrong with San Jose. Oh, is it Peter DeBoer? Yeah, they got rid of him. I don't know if it's him either. Put all that money into Vander Kane. You put all that money into... Eric Carlson, you miss that leadership, I think, of Joe Pavelski. You bring, bring Marlowe back, I get that. You know, you have uh, Tomas Hurdle that's playing well, but it's start, you know, the leadership, that's one thing, but the goaltending has been bad. Martin Jones is better than this. You would think, I don't know, it just, watching him play reminds me of Corey Schneider, where at one time you're like, wow, this guy is fast rising, goaltender. Finally getting the shot after being a backup. Now, he's not the same guy. Also on the who's not list, Mikhail Sergachev. Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman, a goal and a minus nine. Ugh, two penalty minutes, eight shots on goal in his last seven games. That's not really a lot of shots on goal for Sergey. He's a guy, you know, with that Sergey shake and just that quick release from the point. Surprising that he'd only have just over a shot per game. He's effective when he's getting his shots through, and I think... We talked about it so much early on in the season about the impact, obviously, Maroon with the forecheck, but also Kevin Shattenkirk getting shots through. I think teams have adjusted to Tampa Bay Lightning. 
And this is the time. And it, sports are all, all about adjustments. You adjust, adjust back. Now it's the time for the Lightning to adjust. What are they going to do to work on getting those shots through and not get them blocked? That's uh, a way for them to be able to find the puck. You know, you can score dirty goals that way, and that's the kind of goals you need to score come playoff time because you're not always going to be pretty. You're not always going to get that one-timer in the slot or the one-timer on the half half boards or something like that. So I think it's key for Sergachev and the defensive players on the Lightning, the defensemen, uh, to be able to figure that out. Jeff Skinner, man. Assist with a minus seven and 17 shots on goal in his last seven games for the Buffalo forward. Sign that big contract in the offseason. And for all those people that are always like complaining about people not getting signed and calling organizations cheap for not giving big contracts out, buyer beware, buyer beware, excuse me, easy for me to say. Look at what Jeff Skinner's done. If it wasn't for Jack Eichel and some of those other guys on the team, Buffalo would be in big, big trouble. Skinner. I think this is probably two or three times he's been on the who's not list this year. Um, he's got to figure it out. It's not for lack of effort, but minus seven in the last seven games. Uh, you just got to be better. Elias Lindholm, forward for the Calgary Flames, two assists with a minus six, 12 shots on goal in his last seven games. I remember he came across in that deal with Carolina a couple years ago. Um, another solid two-way player that I'm sure he's going to figure it out sooner rather than later. And then David Krejci. It's surprising. Uh, Boston Bruins center for as, as good. I know they've gone through a little skid here. Or the Lightning beat them. Um, but Krejci, to me, he's so key to that club. you got to be strong up the middle. That's one kind of similar factor that most good teams have. You have to be strong up the middle. And when Bergeron left uh, with an injury for a couple games, Krejci slid right there up to that first line between Pasternak and Marshawn. And they didn't skip a beat. Those guys were still scoring left and right. you got to give Krejci a lot of credit for that. Um, I, I heard that Boston fans aren't huge fans of Krejci, but that guy can play, man. And I know he's never going to be a 35 or 40. That's not his job. But his job to be a solid two-way uh, forward, be able to step in and play those big minutes when needed. Um, I love the guy. And I think he scores big goals. Um, and he's just a solid pro. And there's a lot of teams out there uh, that wish they hadn't. Be careful, man. Don't... Uh, don't know what you got until it's gone. David Krejci, he's been a key cog to that Bruins team and uh, part of the fabric of that foundation. And uh, I appreciate him. And I don't like anything Boston. I don't even like Boston baked beans, but I sure as heck do like David Krejci. Our final show, I keep saying our final show, but we have one more after Christmas. Uh, it's just going to be the Christmas break now. But Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everybody out there here on Lightning Power Play to all you listening out there. Again, we couldn't do this without all of you. Make sure you follow us at TBL Power Play. Follow me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you guys ever want to talk, if you have ever any questions about hockey or fantasy hockey, I'm here for you, man. Hit me up at Jay Retcher, and I'll do my best to get back to you in an orderly fashion. Uh, but that's it. That's going to do it for me this week on Light the Lamp. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We'll see you next time.